This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 235, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, January the 7th. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans podcast. This is episode 235. It's the Comic Reviews episode for releases from January the 7th. I am your host, Adam Chapman. Uh, today, this episode is a little bit delayed. It's coming up on Wednesday the 14th, so new comics have actually already been released today, so what better time to talk about comics from last week than right now. Um, so this week, uh, or this past week, I should say, a ton of new comics were released from Marvel and DC, um, upwards of, I think, at least 30 books or so, uh, and that's not even counting licensed comics, obviously all the other publishers, uh, a lot of uh, kind of other things going on. Um, so let's kind of get to... Um, Having I got a chance to read this past week, now, past week I've still been recovering from an illness, I've been busy with work, so I didn't have a chance to talk about or read as many comics as I would generally uh, like to talk about on the podcast, but uh, hopefully we've got some good releases here. First up is Peter David and Carmine DJ Domenico's penultimate issue of All New X Factor with issue 19. Uh, it's too bad this series is coming to an end, it was definitely a fun experiment, although as I've said since the beginning, I think it was a little bit doomed to failure, uh, mainly based on the fact that it's a three ninety nine book that is being pu- pushed out twice a month, um, and it's not kind of a, a marquee book. You've got probably one of the me- the most eclectic casts of any X-related uh, team I've ever seen. You've got Cypher, Warlock, Danger, Gambit, Belarus, and Quicksilver, um, which is definitely very strange. Uh, the whole concept of it being the Serval Industries kind of sponsored team, in some ways I don't know if it ever really got off of ground enough, um, although I, obviously Peter David tried. This issue, the team goes up against Amit, the Soul Eater, um, a little bit kind of uninteresting in terms of general plotline, uh, Georgina or Georgia going into action, I felt didn't really work for me. Uh, Danger kind of being the reason that they were able to defeat this uh you know, Soul Eater I thought was actually pretty cool and well put together. I think a Danger has been a character that has not been allowed to give be given enough kind of development. Um, ever since the kind of the utopia version of the X-Men was kind of discarded after AVX, uh, I feel like she's kind of been discarded and not used as much as she should. And the character theoretically could be really interesting. Peter David's definitely trying to do what he can with the character, although I, I think... In some ways, he's a little limited because I think she she works on kind of the extinction level X Men squad as opposed to this weird kind of new agey version of Danger that's having sex with Cipher and it's just kind of a weird development for the character. Um, artwork by Digi Domenico remains really enjoyable, but at this point, I really wouldn't be surprised by anything less, or, or I wouldn't expect anything less, I should say. So I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10, a, a very solid read. Again, it's the second last issue. It doesn't feel like a second last issue, and that's both a good and a bad thing. But uh, in terms of a, a good, solid read, if you've been reading and enjoying this book, there's no, there's just as much to enjoy it in any other issue. Uh, next up is Amazing Spider-Man number 12. This is by Dan Slott and Giuseppe Camincoli, as I believe this is the first Camincoli uh, illustrated issue of Spider-Verse. And I just, I find myself so disinterested by the general Spider-Verse storyline. Um, I just I just find that there's so many characters, but at the same time, we're not really led to really connect with a lot of them. Like, there's a few of these Spider characters that we are given a little bit more info on, but for generally, it just feels like there's character after character after character just being kind of shoehorned in. And maybe some of the, some of the elements are fun, and but 
it's just not enough to form a complete story. Uh, the aspect here with Spider-Man 29 was kind of cool, but yet if you read Spider-Man 2099, it really has nothing to do with this scene. Like, the scene doesn't even show up. Um, the idea of the safe zone, where we already have another safe zone that they're jumping to, it's just a lot of jumping back and forth. The big last page reveal, I was, I was just bored by the idea that, I guess, in this world, the totem is Ben Parker. That's cool, but like that doesn't really make me like, oh my god, it's Uncle Ben. Yeah, obviously in one of these alternate realities, he pretty much had to be Spider-Man. Considering Gwen Stacy has a reality where she's Spider-Girl, uh, why wouldn't there be a version where Ben Parker is Spider-Man? But even then, he's not in a costume, he's just looking like Ben Parker. Like, I just, again... I don't know why people were going so crazy last week on this last page reveal when I was just, this is the most ho-hum last page reveal possible. Uh, Dan Slott, I think, ever since uh, Amazing Spider-Man relaunched, has just not found the right voice for this book. And even this Spider-Verse feels like it's trying to be this big, epic Spider-Man storyline with all these different alternate versions, but instead, you don't really get a good connection with any of them. The Spider-Verse tie-ins themselves feel inconsequential, and the main storyline is leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, Kevin Coley does a great job in art, just like Olivia uh, uh, Kuypel did a great job before him. At times, it felt like Kevin Coley was almost trying to ape a Kuypel kind of art style in terms of how some of his characters were represented in some of the facial expressions, but um, yeah, the story really let me down. The art's good, but the story is just... There's just not a lot to it. So I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10. The reason why it's not lower is because Kevin Coley is able to save it with his great art. But really, the story leaves so much to be desired. Uh, next up is Ant-Man number 1. Now, it's interesting, obviously, with the upcoming Scott Lang-driven uh, Ant-Man movie by with Paul Rudd. Obviously, they want to you know bring the character back in a big way and, um, and, and have him take on his own book uh now nick spencer's writing this uh ramon rosano says the artwork does the artwork sorry and at times it almost has like a chris somni style um i'm i miss that i i like how spencer writes this but at the same time it's very new reader friendly but at the same time if you know anything about where scott lang's been in the last few years it feels very anti scott lang fan friendly like if you liked where he was in the recent feature foundation you're not going to see that here if you liked how his recent relationship with i think it was with she thing you're not going to find that here uh if you want to see the character as he had had developed prior to his death and even since his death you're not going to find it here if you're going to have a kind of back to basics you know if you knew a little bit about him prior to his death you're going to be able to kind of enjoy this without missing anything that's what you're getting from this ant-man it's not a bad book. In fact, I think it's actually at times extremely well written and heartfelt. I just found it was, it just felt like they, they, they stripped so much bare from the character and weren't able to kind of focus on what was really cool about Scott Lang. Um, the new costume, it's all right. But I mean, even his, his relationship with stature, I mean, what happened to Cassie? This doesn't even feel like the Cassie I remember at all. I can't quite remember exactly how stature was returned. I guess it happened during Avengers uh, World. Um, but it just felt very haphazard to even have her here because uh, this doesn't feel like the real Cassandra Lang um, and, which is really disappointing because she was such a cool character as Stature Hell, I liked her as Stinger in the MC2 universe as well so he, seeing her here it just felt disingenuous to what the character has developed in so again it's a very kind of light continuity book but 
a very solid Scott Lang story, but at the same time, if you know more about Scott Lang, it's going to be a little bit bothersome that the continuity seems so haphazard. Um, but it definitely had a, a very kind of uh, nice ending, uh, very kind of tug of the heartstrings kind of uh, um, kind of feeling. Um, so we'll see where the kind of the book kind of goes from here. And again, I really did like the artwork because it did have this very Chris Somney esque artistic style, which I really dug. Um, so I'm going to give it maybe a six and a half. Like, there's a lot of good elements here. I just, maybe just the continuity fan and the fan of Scott Lang was put off by it. Um, just because I, I like my continuity. I understand that Marvel is trying to be very fast and loose with continuity, especially they don't want it to get in, they famously don't want it to get in the way of telling a good story. And I get that, but it just, I find it very frustrating because what's the point of reading other Scott Lang stories ever if they're not going to matter when he finally gets his own ongoing? And I guess that's the point. Like, you want to feel like each time you read a comic, it matters in some way. Otherwise, why are you even bothering picking up that comic? Um, you know, you want to get this sense that you're part of this grander universe. And that was always the idea in Marvel that continuity mattered. And I understand that they can't make everything so beholden to continuity, but I'm not asking that to make it beholden. I just want to feel like it's still part of the continuity in some way. You don't have to uh, maybe overtly mention it and reference it, but I want it to feel like it's connected. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, next up is Earth 2. This is issue number 30. Um, still not a huge fan of this book by Margaret Bennett and Mike Johnson. I work by Andy Smith and Trevor Scott. Tyler Kirkham, Cliff Richards, and Tony Silas which is just a smorgasbord of different artists. Uh, here, it's basically just kind of telling flashbacks to the to the world of Earth 2, which is unfortunate that the main Earth 2 book has really become so inconsequential. Uh, it's basically telling these, the secret history of some of the avatars uh, of the Earth 2 universe. You know, you don't really need this anymore. Like, I feel like once Earth 2 World's End started, unfortunately, the main Earth 2 book became unimportant, um, it doesn't really add anything to the grander narrative, it throws in, it kind of t um, shows you some of the back history, but to be honest, I don't even know if it's really that important. Like, I don't feel like it really, in, in knowing a little bit more about how these avatars were created doesn't really add a lot to my overall reading experience on Earth 2 World's End. Speaking of Earth 2 World's End, we have issue 14 coming out. Um, it's re I really like the covers they've been doing, they're really cool. Um, it's a hunter die is the, the kind of cool graphic. Um, just looking at the creative team, or the amount of people involved on the creative team side is insane. Uh, story by Daniel H. Wilson, written by Daniel H. Wilson, Margaret Bennett, and Mike Johnson. Breakdowns by Scott McDaniel. Art by Eddie Barrows and Eber Ferreira, uh, Eduardo Pensica, and Mark Deering, Jorge Jimenez, Robinson Roca, and Guillermo Ortego, and Tyler Kirkham. So it's just, again, uh, way too many cooks in the kitchen. Um, at times, this is really engaging. Um, the the whole Dick Grayson stuff, and I guess Ted Grant, feels like it, it almost feels like it's taking place in a different universe because everything else feels very like urgent, and yet they're having a sparring session and they're training, and it just feels like there's no sense of urgency to their element of the storyline. Whereas you read stuff like Commander Khan and his um, his kind of suicide run against Darkseid, and it's really thrilling. Although ultimately it seems uh, apparently for not um, seeing how the Flash and the Hawkwoman are trying to protect as many people in the world to protect the Atom sacrifice is very cool uh, seeing how Mr. Miracle and the rest are uh, trying to figure out what to do as well um, 
the end of the issue is definitely thrilling. I'm going to give it maybe a six and a half. Again, it remains an uneven issue, partially because there's so many people involved in the creation, but there are still a lot of elements that work. Um, but it still felt like a, a bit of a, a roughshod comic. Um, next up is Hulk number 10, as we continue the, the Omega Hulk storyline. Um, this is written by Jerry Dugan, artwork by Mark Bagley. This is the Omega Hulk chapter, chapter 6. Um, really liking uh, Mark Bagley's artwork, although at times Hulk almost looks a little too small, a little bit too uh, maybe lithe. Uh, or live, sorry, um, and not quite as big as he could be, especially when we have a Green Hulk and Red Hulk fighting each other. I almost felt like they should look a little bit larger, and the action should look a little bit more over the top. Uh, that being said, fantastic fight sequence. Um, it's extremely well written. I love seeing how all these characters are written. Uh, I'm really excited to see what's going to happen with She-Hulk in the next part of the Omega Hulk storyline, as well as, I guess, um, is it Lyra or Thunder or whatever her name is? Um... This was very interesting to kind of see how cerebral uh, Hulk has been and his kind of plan to dry out Red Hulk. Um, Omega Hulk remains such a fantastic arc, and considering how strong the opening arc of Hulk was by Mark by um, Mark Bagley and Mark Wade, I really got to give credit where credit is due to Jerry Dugan for really making this a fantastic read every single month. And again, Mark Bagley is just killing it on art. Uh, so I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Next up is Operation Sin. Now, I did not expect to like this, um, it's, but it's actually really, really entertaining. Um, considering it's you know Peggy Carter, who, prior to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, really wasn't that much of a character and was never used. Um, she was more of kind of a flashback character. Uh, but now they're kind of using her just like she's used in the TV series, although she, they, she's still a blonde here and they haven't kind of totally patterned her after the, um, the cinematic version, but... Basically, the way that she, um, you know, kind of has an interaction with Howard Stark, it's definitely there. It's written by Catherine Eminem and artwork by Rich Ellis, which again kind of has this uh, almost um, um, Chris Somnius-esque flair, although not quite as nuanced. Uh, kind of seeing how the secret agent game is working in the in the uh, the early days, um, really really cool. Um, I like how Howard Stark's written here, although it's. Not quite jiving with how he was written in S.H.I.E.L.D., but it works, more or less, and uh, ended up being kind of a, a much more enjoyable book than I would have initially expected. Um, I'm going to give it a, a 7 out of 10. Next up is Punisher 14, which I actually really dug. Um, this whole arc of Punisher has been a lot more enjoyable than I ever would have originally expected, and the artwork by Mitch Garads with uh, Brent Schoonover and Felix Ruiz has really won me over. Again, I would not have initially expected it to do so because I didn't really like it at first, and then it's really kind of warm to me. Uh, Nathan Edmonds, excuse me, wrote it. Uh, it's a really strong look at the Punisher and the uh, and Commandos. Is a lot of kind of the elements that are percolating throughout this entire run finally kind of come to the fore. Um, it kind of doesn't end well for Punisher, and to be honest, a lot of this run hasn't. Uh, which I kind of like that it's not the Punisher kind of being this unstoppable force that we're kind of used to him being. Instead, he gets his ass kicked a lot in the series, and that continues to happen in this particular arc. Uh, I'm going to give it a, an 8 out of 10. It's quite a moving um, story and uh, kind of brutal, but very good. Uh, next up is Spider-Man 2099, and this is issue number 7. I feel bad for Peter David because... He was telling a story, a really cool story, and then suddenly Spider-Verse happened and he's telling something completely different, which is fine, but 
it's just it's too bad that we're not getting to see what his initial vision for this series was because of what Spider-Verse was doing. Um, the whole issue with... Um, I forget what the, the fucking character's name was now, but um, I think it's Deimos. Kind of trying to uh, overwhelm this character, the appearance of Punisher 2099. Um, very cool, but again, it feels like what was the point of any of this kind of happening in this book? considering what Peter David was trying to originally do with this storyline. Still good. The artwork by Will Slinney remains really engaging, um, really kinetic, especially in the action sequences. And seeing Punisher 2099 is really cool, because I don't know much about the character. I only ever read a couple of the issues back in the 90s. So kind of cool to see him here, and it's a nice kind of use by Peter David. But again, kind of a weird pull overall. Uh, but I'll, I'll give it a 7 out of 10. And last comic that we're going to talk about this week is X-Men 23. Uh, this particular issue is written by G. Willow Wilson, and I think this is her first kind of issue on this book. Um, it's, it tells more of a kind of a, a storm story here. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the art in this particular uh, storyline. I'm looking forward to next issue's focus on uh, Psylocke. Uh, this is the first chapter of Burning the Burning World. Uh, G. Willow Wilson has become kind of one of my favorite writers just after reading her amazing first year of uh, Miss Marvel. So I'm really excited to see what more she's going to develop and bring to the X-Men. Roland Boshi does the artwork here. Um, it's, it just felt very rough um, and not nearly as nuanced or as polished as I would have expected from this X-Men book, which in the past year has been really solid. And especially the take on the on the Beast here looks absolutely terrible. Like It's just not very good art at all. Um, so the strength of the story is definitely there, but looking at the art, it leaves a lot to be desired. So I'm going to give it overall about a 5 out of 10, but that's mainly based on the fact that the artwork is just not very good at all. Uh, there's a ton of books I didn't get a chance to read this particular week, so I'm just going to quickly run through uh, kind of the, the missed books that did come out this past week. They include Action Comics 38, Aquaman and the Others number 9, Batman Eternal number 40, Detective Comics 38, which continues the storyline, by, I believe, by uh, Manipul and Bucciolato. Uh Ferris 33, as that continues, by Vertigo. Flash Season 0 number 4, Green Arrow 38, Green Lantern 38, which I'm actually surprised I missed out on. Uh, Hinterkind 14, Justice League 3013, Legends of the Dark Knight 100-page Super Spectacular number 5, uh, Lobo number 4, Names number 5, New 52 Features N36, Scooby-Doo Team-Up number 8, Swamp Thing number 38, Wolf Moon number 2, Angela Asgard's Assassin number 2, Avengers No More Bullying, the, uh, I guess, $2 one-shot, uh, which is nice that they're actually putting out books like that. Um, it's two, it was, uh, as I said, just $2. Bucky Barnes, Winter Soldier number 3, Death of Wolverine, Weapon X, Broken number 5, Hawkeye vs. Deadpool number 4, Iron Fist, The Living Weapon number 8, Legendary Star-Lord number 7, Marvel's Avengers, which is the adaptation of the 2012 movie, uh, number 2, Men of Wrath by Jason Aaron and Ron Garney, number 4, Miracle Man 14, Storm number 7, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, number 1, and uh, Marvel finally giving a shot at a weekly book in Wolverines, number 1. Uh, before we sign off, a quick look at particular um, comics to kind of keep an eye out that came out on the 14th. Uh, which we'll be talking about in next week's episode. Uh, we've got the Batman Black and White Trade Paperback Volume 2, um, a new issue of Grayson's coming out. You've got the Green Lantern Corps Trade Paperback Volume 5 Uprising. 
there's um, new issue of New Suicide Squad. There's the Supergirl trade paperback volume five, Daughter of Red Daughter of Krypton, which is actually a very solid story. Uh, there's the second, sorry, th- I apologize, third trade paperback of the Trinity of Sin Phantom Stranger book, which has now been canceled. And then from Marvel, there's new issues of All New Captain America, Amazing X Men. Uh, there's the next chapter of Time Runs Out in Avengers, which I've already read and is fantastic. Uh, Daredevil continues the Swan Song by Chris Somney and Mark Wade. Um, Deathlock continues, which I have to recommend. It's actually a very solid new book, given the uh, recent popularity of the character on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, there's Deathlock trade paperback Souls of Cyberfolk, if you want to kind of read some older Deathlock stories. Uh, there's the Marvel Masterworks Incredible Hulk Volume 1 new, uh, reprinting, if you missed out on that the first time around. Uh, for those who are interested in powers and have never really read it before, there's three new uh, printings. Uh, the trade paperbacks Volume 3, 4, and 5 as uh, obviously the upcoming uh, Sony uh, PlayStation-exclusive television series is coming up soon. Uh, For those who have never read The Secret Service, uh, you can read the first trade paperback as the upcoming movie is about to come out. Uh, And then you also have new issues of Silver Surfer, S.H.I.E.L.D., the launch of Marvel's own Star Wars ongoing, which is a big deal as after, I think, what, 20 years, Dark Horse finally lost the license and Marvel's going to publish all the new Star Wars comics. So that's the launch of the new issue number one. As well as for those of fans of the original Star Wars comics from Marvel, uh, the Marvel Years Omnibus Volume 1 is coming out uh, with a Howard Chaykin cover. And then uh, kind of um, rounding out the releases is a new issue of Wolverines and X-Force. So that's everything coming out next week, and uh, or should I say this uh, as of today, really. And uh, a lot of good, solid releases that we'll be talking about next week on episode 237. So thank you very much for joining me for this episode. Uh, you can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, like the show on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and post in our HC Realms thread as well. Thanks again for joining me. I am Adam Chapman, your host, and signing off for the week. But uh, make sure to download our next episode, episode 236, which will be coming out in three to four days, as it'll probably be another uh, Comic Talk episode. So thanks for joining us, and uh, have a great day. Bye-bye.